This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 243, and I'm talking with Molly Seidel and her coach, John Green. Molly recently placed second at the Olympic Marathon Trials in Atlanta. This was her debut marathon. She actually ran her first ever half marathon this past fall in San Antonio, where she ran a 110.27, and then followed that up with the Houston half in January, where she ran a 69.35. Molly and her coach made the decision to go ahead and jump in feet first and debut the marathon at the Olympic Marathon Trials. Now, if you are not well-versed on qualifying for the Olympic Marathon Trials, you can do that in the half marathon, which is what she did. And that's why she was able to debut her marathon at the Olympic Trials. To qualify for the Olympic Trials using your half marathon time, you have to run a sub 113. And to qualify with the A standard in the marathon, you have to run a 237 and a B standard of a 245. So Molly qualified with the B standard because she qualified with the half marathon. And we talk about that in the episode just a little bit. But some other things to note about Molly. Molly ran for Notre Dame. She was a standout all through high school and She's actually the only person that has ever won both the U.S. Footlocker national title as a high schooler and then also a NCAA cross-country championship title as well. Now, Molly has a lot of running accolades to her name. She runs for Saucony, but there is so much more to Molly than her running. Molly and I do talk the bulk of this conversation, but we do get to hear a little bit from her coach, John Green, who is a former Saucony teammate of hers, and he's a great runner in his own right. So I thought it was really fun to talk with both Molly and her coach to hear a little bit about where they were coming from, how he coached her, and how he even became her coach. So I hope you enjoy that piece of the interview. I thought they were both really fun together. Hey, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Rise Run Retreat, virtual running retreat. My friend Sarah Candy works so hard on these amazing retreats for women, and she has virtual options now, which I think are just incredible. I think more than ever right now, we need to connect with people where we can, and this is a great place for you to connect with other runners that you might not otherwise meet. I've watched Sarah work so hard on these retreats, and I know you will not be disappointed if you sign up for her retreat. This is a three-day comprehensive program with amazing guest speakers, including Myrna Valerio and Kim Nadal. Now, Myrna was a guest on this podcast. Just so you all know, you can go back to episode 83 and listen to her. She is an incredible human being, and you do not want to miss her being a part of this retreat. Okay, so registration for this virtual retreat opens May 4th, and you can go to riserunretreat.com to learn more information. This is an incredible opportunity and an incredible way to connect with the running community. 
All right, friends. And this podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. Make sure you check out the Up and Running Podcast and the Illuminate Podcast, our other two podcasts in this network. Okay. I hope that you really enjoy this conversation with Molly Seidel and John Green. Well, welcome to the podcast today. I'm so excited to have Molly Seidel and her coach, John Green, on the show. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm pumped. You know, Molly, after you ran so well in Houston, I had reached out and then you got back to me and then I totally dropped the ball and then you made the Olympic team and I was like, Lindsay, <laughs> you should have like hammered on trying to get her on before the, the trials. If anything, it was probably better because I think going into after Houston, obviously I I ran better than I expected to just kind of based on how my training had been, but I was still very, very nervous going into the trials. And John can definitely speak to this. Very not confident about how that was going to go. I think we definitely had a conversation like maybe a week or two beforehand where I told him that I didn't know if I was actually going to be able to finish it. So maybe it's, maybe it's better that we didn't have the podcast then because I feel like I would have been extremely down on myself. It's more of a celebration podcast now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or as much as I guess you can celebrate with the the last couple weeks going on. But but yeah, I'm still trying to celebrate it. (laughs) Yeah. So John mentioned that you're back home in Wisconsin. So are you quarantining over there with your family? Yeah, it's um, I had been in Boston and truthfully, things weren't super bad in Boston. It was more that my sister, who I live with in our apartment there, we're, we're right in Fenway, so downtown, she had come back to Wisconsin and was staying here. And so I was pretty alone um, in Boston. I was meeting up. John would bike with me on runs, but the majority of my day would be like totally isolated in my apartment. And I, I don't think I put enough thought into just how difficult that was going to be. Um, something I love about being in Boston is there's so many people around. You're constantly seeing people. Um, it's a great running community and just my friends are there. And then suddenly you're completely isolated and it's weird. So it's been really nice being back with my family. Oh my gosh. I bet, you know, during this whole time I have four little kids. So my house is very loud and very oh my full goodness. of energy. <laughs> And it's hard, you know, but honestly, like I have thought so much, even on days where I'm on the floor crying because everybody's going crazy. I have thought so much about people who live alone right now because it would be so hard. So anybody listening, if you live alone, we are thinking about you and I know this has to be so challenging. So I would love to just kind of hear a little bit about, um, the coaching situation and, you know, all of the decisions leading up to the Olympic marathon trials, like, you know, going into it, doing the two halves before the race and just like how you guys even decided we're going to go ahead and give this marathon a shot. I'll I'll let Molly (laughs) give her side first. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's, it's funny because when when we say it all after the fact, it definitely sounds a lot more like, oh, there was definitely like an actual plan going into this. <laughs> and we, we knew what we were doing the whole time. And we definitely did not. If anything, a lot of it was kind of just taking it one day at a time, one race at a time. 
um, and it evolving organically from there. I mean, hell, the whole marathon thing wasn't actually like a, a really thought out plan originally. Um, basically, when John and I started working together, John's a very, very good friend of mine. Um, and we'd been teammates together with Saucony. Um, and when I decided to leave the group in the late summer of last year, um, it kind of just came out of John knowing that I was like between coaches was looking for a new training situation and being like, Hey, how about I write you workouts for a little while? Like, mm. I know this might not be a super permanent thing, but like, I, I want you to be healthy. I feel like I've got a pretty good idea of what, what your workouts usually are, um, just because it, we have pretty similar like training styles. And so he was like, how about I just write you workouts for a while while you figure out what, um, like kind of what's going on. And over the course of the next couple of weeks and maybe two months or so, I was just so healthy compared to what I had been under him and training really well for the first time in a while. And after a while, I just got to the point where I was like, I don't know, like I kind of just want you to be my main coach, mm. like if that's okay with you. <laughs> um, yeah. And we were really the goal of that fall had just been. Uh, because I hadn't been running healthy in the longest time, basically the better part of two years at that point. Um, it was, the goal was just, let's not race for a while. Let's just build up mileage, build up strength and then see what happens. And I kind of signed up for that, um, that half in San Antonio, mm -hmm. not necessarily on a whim, but not putting a whole lot of forethought into it. Um, qualified for the trials and called John up that day and, we started really thinking about it then seriously about like, Hey, like, would we want to do the, the marathon trials? Um, I originally was thinking about doing the Houston full marathon mm. rather than the half, um, just kind of like to go out, do a marathon going into 2020, um, and kind of see what I was able to do. And, and John was thinking, Hey, like, I mean, it's, you might as well try this. Like, the, the the trials only come around every four years like this would be a great opportunity to, to get to race against a really talented field um it's going to be a difficult course co or a course which you you respond well to and like I mean what's the worst that can happen you drop out and nobody cares anyway like here that was kind of the thought is like I mean nobody really knows or cares who I am regardless so why not try and like go for broke and just try something completely out of the blue so if you would have done the Houston full and ran well would would you have been like YOLO I'm just gonna go ahead and do the trials too or would you have been like no way I'll answer that. Uh, no I, she would not have done no. the, she would not have done the trials <laughs> I know yeah. it's so close I think it especially with it being my first marathon I just don't think that would have happened and that was definitely our thought after after San Antonio was like the, like one of the ideas that had been floated, my sister had mentioned it was like, why don't you just do both? Like do the Houston full marathon and then the trials. I was like, Oh God, no. Like <laughs> I, my body is like already like semi made of glass at this point. So I'm like, <laughs> I just don't need that extra. Like, yeah, I don't need that extra push over the edge to just like reshatter my hips. So yeah, this is why I have a coach tell me when, I am, when I'm trying to do dumb ideas. Oh my goodness. Thank God you chose the trials and not the Houston full. <laughs> I, I know really. It is like very funny. Like you look at it in retrospect, you're like, wow, like I'm really glad that we decided to do that. Cause at the time it seemed like a fairly silly idea. I think like 
but talking to people beforehand when I was like, oh yeah, like I'm going to do the trials and they're like, your first marathon is going to be the trials. People <laughs> were either like, that's so rad or you're an idiot. So it was like, <laughs> I'm glad that it worked out. Yeah. Well, it's funny hearing you say that like, oh, if I would have dropped out, like nobody would have really known. People didn't know who I was, but like we all knew who you were. Um, maybe the random news outlets, like, you know, I, I was watching post-race clips of the funny stories of like I saw GMA doing like a the barista you know all that oh that my god yeah it's like no we all knew that like yes this was your debut marathon but you like had a shot so yeah I guess I guess from the sense of like because it was such just an incredibly deep field I was like so deep the yeah. dark horse of dark horses even like I was it was almost kind of I think like fast women the newsletter put it pretty mm -hmm. well that I'm like it's almost more of like, yeah, like going into it. It's like the fun side story, but then let's focus on the real contenders. Like, <laughs> how, like anybody I talked to, like I busted my own bracket for the trials. Like, <laughs> like it wasn't exactly like, I don't think going into that race, if anybody had the three of us or like probably Alphine and Sally were on somebody's list, but to have that team kind of come out of it with the group of women going into it, I think was very unusual. Oh, for sure. I had Sally on my list, but I, you know, watching a first timer do a marathon on that course and that field, you're like, is she going to blow up? Like, you know, because you've never done it. And so you don't know what mile 23 of a racing marathon feels like. So yeah, I think that's probably how we were all feeling. Like, is, is she really doing it? Is she, she's doing it. It's happening. <laughs> I had yeah, similar I did, feelings during it. Right. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would love to hear this with John. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, let's go. That's the thing is I'm going, I'm like kind of in it. So I'm not even trying to think about like, I'm just going as hard as I can and worry about the consequences later, but I'm sure John probably had the most stressful job of anyone on that day. Yeah. Let's hear your play by play. Where were you spectating? Give us the rundown. So I actually uh, rented a bike from somebody um, down in Atlanta. And so I had gone and was kind of biking out and back on um, the uh, out and back section of the course, the like uh, where they had the 180 degree turn. And so I was out there and then I'd go into a bar and uh, watch the race. And then when Molly came back by and so I was kind of trying to follow the race as much as I could. And <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a stressful day for sure. But it was, um, I, I, as long as Molly was tucked in and just uh, mm -hmm. staying relaxed, I was happy. And um, yeah, once she came through for on the second loop and she was still there, I was like, okay, this is next time I see her, it's going to be like, a lot of things might change. And so uh, I was just kind of hoping everything was going to come, come around and she was going to be feeling good like she did. And um, yeah, just, <laughs> it was kind of less stressful when the race was going on than uh, before the race. Yeah. There was like really nowhere else to be on those loops because like at the, those first couple loops, because either she's with the group or she's not. And like, you need to be with the group. So it's not like you're like, what, what's Molly doing? She's going out too fast because you're running with, all the people you need to be with, but that group stayed together for so long. Yeah. I think that just really like speaks to the, the caliber of women who were mm. in that race that we could have such a big group for that long. And I don't think by any means we were like at crushing 
walking the pace at the beginning. Like it was a fairly, I think not like a fairly moderate pace mm-hmm. for, I think most of those women. Um, it's just more the wind and the hills mm-hmm. that really started then taking their toll. So I think it was, yeah, it's just kind of interesting because I, the move that Alphine and I made at mile, I don't know if it was mile 19 or 20. Um, but when we made that move, it wasn't really any conscious effort to make a move. It was just, I felt that we were going the same pace, but Mm -hmm. we were going up an incline with the wind at our faces. And then all of a sudden it was like, all of a sudden there was just nobody there. And it was like over the course of like 30 seconds, I was just like, oh my God, what just happened? Mm. And then kind of the thought of like, well, now you got to just like, (laughs) you made your bed, you got to lay in it. Like you're either going to look like an idiot now, or you're going to hold it to the finish. (laughs) So yeah, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't like a conscious decision of like, oh, now my time is now it's my time to make a move because like going into that race, John had just said like, do not take the lead Mm. anywhere before mile 18. And so when I saw him then on that third loop and I was like, okay, now, like, now I'm like, okay, like, if I need to take the lead, I can. And then it was literally a matter of like, two minutes after that is when we made our breakaway. So was that two minutes after you saw John? Yeah, yeah, he had been on that, that out and back up peach tree. And Mm -hmm. I remember, like, Desi Linden was right next to me. And John just screamed, no brain, no pain. And Desi, like, (laughs) looked over at me, like, really oddly and I was like yeah that's my coach <laughs> did you say that <laughs> yeah yeah, I did, it was yeah. Just, yeah it was like going in it was just like the idea of like okay like if you're not thinking about it and you're too dumb to know better it's not gonna hurt no brain no pain I don't think I've heard that that's a good one um I feel like Des is someone that is very like aware during races like some people zone out a lot and I feel like she's really pays attention to those kinds of things. So that doesn't surprise me that you, she kind of looked at you funny and noticed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like Des just has like, whether it's like the, the caliber of runner she is just like her list of accomplishments. I feel like she really kind of like controls the race a mm-hmm. lot and governs mm-hmm. it. Like she was the one making a lot of moves for the majority of that race. Um, and I think that j- definitely just does speak to like how good of a runner she is. And she is like a veteran in the sport. So everyone kind of like follows what she's doing. Yeah. I love to hear you talk about that a little bit more. I just talked to Des and was kind of asking her how she feels at the start line of these races. Like, do you feel like the mother of the group kind of deal, you know, cause you've done this for so many years and you've made two Olympic teams. And so I'm just curious lining up with you know all of the women of that caliber like like you mentioned so many women just so good in that field but specifically someone like Des she's just someone that we've all looked up to for so long so what's that like lining up from for your first marathon next to her um I was I don't know if I could say I was next to them I I wasn't in the first wave so I was a ways back so I actually didn't see any of the yeah because I was a B qualifier I had to start in wave three so I um yeah I can't really really (laughs) Um, I didn't didn't actually really get to see any of those guys before the start yeah it was um it was kind of wild we actually had um reached out to the race directors the days the day before and asked like 
hey, like, would I maybe be able to get up <laughs> even just like group two? Could we get up there? And they're like, nah, fam, like, sorry, everybody's trying to move up groups. Like, gun goes off, you can make your way to the front. And I'm really? like, okay, we'll deal with this. But luckily, it didn't go out super fast. Like, I think if it had been like a big city marathon where people are like mm. raring to go from the gun, um, I think it would have been a different story, but no, it was fairly, I think we ran like six minute pace for that first mile. So no, it was not a problem, but, um, I, I guess I have had other races where I've gotten to line up next to Desi. We've been on, um, we've raced quite a few cross country races mm-hmm. together. Um, and we've gotten to be teammates for, um, some of like the smaller, like international U S cross country races or international cross country races. And just from those experiences, Desi is not only is she like someone who's just such a veteran of the sport, knows what she's doing. She's also just like a very calming presence. Mm -hmm. I feel like she doesn't, Mm -hmm. at least from the outside, she doesn't seem to have these like super highs and lows or whatnot. She's just very like emotionally stable. Mm -hmm. And so in the times that I've gotten to race with her, it is just like this experience of like, okay, like everything's okay. Like Desi's chill. Like I feel chill. Um, like when we race together in Edinburgh, she's just like, I don't know. I wouldn't even say like, I don't mean this as like, disrespect. I don't think of her like as a race mom. I almost think of her as like a race dad. Cause it's kind <laughs> of almost like that dad mentality of just like, so, uh, like, it's kind of like how my dad is, or he's yeah. just like super emotionally level all the time, yes. like super rational and like, everything's just chill and you just take it as it comes. So I always just think of her as like this super cool, chill, like race dad. I love that. And I see that so much. I, I can only hope one day someone can describe me that way as like <laughs> emotionally put together. <laughs> yeah. That, that yeah is... I, think, I think that's something we could all strive to be. I see her and I'd be like, damn, I hope someday I can just be as chill as that woman is. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I love how you put that. Okay. We need to walk back real quick to the to the wave thing because I didn't know this. And so I'm just curious, like when you say in the second group, like, are you starting like 20 seconds back or what did that look like? Um, I don't know. So with how it went is like the first 90 where the first 90 female qualifiers are the first wave. Mm. And then I believe it's the next, like it's the rest of the eight qualifiers then our group two. So because I was bib 139, I was either the first or second qualifier out of that B group mm. or whatnot. Um, just based on my time and a half, but still they keep you back a little ways. I wouldn't say it was as much as 20 seconds. I would say like, if anything, it was like maybe five seconds, like the gun goes off and I had positioned myself towards the side. So I was able to pretty quickly kind of like scoot my way up the side. It was definitely a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving. And like, obviously I wasn't on that like front line, but I think I would have been more nervous if it had been like a shorter distance Mm -hmm. race. I think with Mm -hmm. the marathon, you're going out at a conservative enough pace that the like, yeah, like it's that joke. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So it's like getting off the line quickly isn't going to make all that much difference. And I was able to quickly get to the position that I needed to get into. So I would say like at most it was like five, maybe a couple more seconds than that. But it really wasn't like I didn't feel like it impacted my race. If anything, it was more just like the mentality going into it. I was like, 
okay, like you're a, you're a couple rows back, like you got to really position yourself well to get back up there and get into like a position where you can race this rather than like being stranded like five rows back. Wow. Yeah. I, I had no idea. And I, I wonder now re- looking back if the race directors were like, okay, maybe we could have put her up there in that first first group <laughs> yeah yeah I but I see why they do yeah that because like I could imagine they probably have so many people who are like sure I need to be in the first group and it's like they can't do it for one person they can't like yeah you do it for one person then everybody has to get that and you can make the case for anyone yeah but did you also say 60 people were in the first group I just a 69 minute... no 90. 90 90 90 90 women in the first wave and then so a six, uh, I don't a 69 know how many people are in the second. Doesn't get you. I want to know. Wave? No, because it's the half. half. They only have it as a B qualifier. Oh, yeah, that's and, why. Like, because it's real, the half. Okay. Yeah, and realistically, like that's how it should be. Like sure, I had sure. never run a marathon right. going into this. Like right. I can't say like, oh yes, I deserve to be up at, uh, up next to Jordan Say, who's run two twenty two in the marathon when yeah. I've never <laughs> done this damn race before. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so. John, what were your biggest surprises from all this? I don't know if I ha- like obviously. So I like I wasn't expecting Molly to make the team, but I wasn't necessarily surprised okay. um, that she made the team. We had sat down um, Friday, the n- day before the race, and just kind of um, talked briefly about the race. We had done our big like pre-race talk on Monday of that week, and so. I, I told Molly that I was kind of um, based off of the field I, and how her training was going. I expected her most likely to be somewhere in the third to 12th place range. That's kind of where I guessed um, she would end up. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm surprised by the result, but I, I definitely wasn't expecting it. I think uh, if you look at the field, it was such a strong field and a strong group of women that you had there that, um, it was definitely, it was a tough day for sure. Yeah. I read an article that you said, you know, you, if you thought, you thought she could make the team, you know, best bet, she's going to get third place. What was it about third place that, that was standing out in your mind? No, I just, I had looked when I, when I like decided that it was going to be third to 12th was I thought there was some really like strong women in the field. And I think, um, I thought there was a couple women who, based off of what I'd seen from their training and what I kind of heard through the grapevine a little bit, was they were very, very fit. And so I thought, you know what, that like um, most likely if they're showing up fit and they're ready to go, then first and second were possibly not a, not a possibility. Um, and obviously that I was wrong in that, and so I'm happy to be wrong <laughs> in that aspect. So. But um, and then also looking through the rest of the field, I was thinking um, generally like where how Molly had raced some of the other women earlier in the season or in the previous halves of um, being like kind of on the worst case scenario, um, being 12th and being okay with that as well. Mm. Yeah, it's important to go into it with that perspective. And conversely, like to that, when John said, like, I think like you like like best case you could get third I'm like yeah right like I in my mind I was like 10th would be like the greatest day of my life Mm. because I like (laughs) well 
like as an explanation that John had been hearing what these women were doing, I was seeing what some of these women were doing out in Flagstaff. And I was like, no way can I run with them. Like that's just having seen some of the workouts that were going into a lot of this and just workouts that I was completely physically unable to do because I've haven't been doing this as long. Like some of these women have been doing this upwards of 10 years and have just a lot of mileage on their legs and have like been able to develop into really good marathoners seeing that I was like I haven't done a workout over 18 miles the longest I've ever run is 24 miles like there's no way like no way that I can do this so then it was like yeah I if if anything I thought John was being like a little overly optimistic okay so you mentioned Flagstaff are you talking about the NAZ group yes (laughs) yes NAZ um they work out like champions. Yeah. Um, likewise, Sarah Hall uh, was oh, Sarah, doing yeah. literally some of the most incredible training I've ever seen anyone do. So oh, I, I was just her. like, well, like if that's what, like, if that's what you have to do to be a marathoner, like <laughs> I'm screwed. That's, that's ultimately why I ended up leaving Flagstaff. Um, it was too two much weeks before. Yeah. Two weeks before the race, I went, I drove my car to um, Boulder and stayed with family friends there for like the last two weeks. Um, and cause it was just too much being in flag. Like I was constantly comparing what I was doing. Mm. John was like constantly trying to like pump me up. Like, no, like you're doing (laughs) as much as you can do physically. And then I'm like, that just means that I'm physically unable to do the marathon. He's like, no, that's (laughs) literally not what I said. And like, yeah, I, I needed just like the mental, like a little bit of an escape. So yeah, I went to Boulder. Um, I was actually running a little bit with um, Laura Sweet and some uh. of the other like Boulder marathoners out there. So that was a little bit of, yeah, I just needed kind of a change of pace at that point because I was freaked. <laughs> well, man, that's, you know, and that's kind of crazy too, because you're kind of going from one extreme to the other. Not that Laura doesn't train super hard, but she was running super low mileage for, you know, Olympic trials training. And she was doing a ton of cross training. So you were kind of like going back from going from one extreme to the other. Um, I wonder though, so why do you think it worked then? I, everybody's body is different. Everybody's built to train a little bit differently. How did it work then? Um, I truthfully, I, I don't know. It's just, I truthfully, I think going into that day, I was not the fittest person on that line. Mm. I think it almost was more of a quirk of the course, the wind, the conditions. Like I'm, I'm personally much more of a strengths runner. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that had been like a super flat, fast course, if it would have Mm. turned out the way that it did. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so interesting. Like I, I think that race could have gone any number of ways on any number of days. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I, I say this about any of my like NCAA championships as well. I don't think when one person succeeds over another person that it speaks to them being a better athlete or being fitter or whatnot. I think it's just on that day Mm -hmm. you had it. And on a different day, I don't know if I'd have had it like that, but it just kind of worked out. It's, it's so interesting. Like I go back in my mind and I'm like, how did this happen? Why did this happen? And I can keep trying to like find, find like rationales for it. But I don't know. I, I kind of just, I have this opinion that when you go out and race, you just show up to the line and you have to put out your maximum amount of effort Mm -hmm. and just hope that it's your day and it's not always going to work, but 
sometimes you get that lightning bolt out of the blue and it works. And that was my day, I guess. And I'd like to comment on something like that as well is Molly has a, has a point with that, that there is um, to base it into one word, a little bit of luck involved in it. But Mm. um, like Molly said is, I mean, she was a footlocker champion, multi-time NCAA champion. And so there's just an immense amount of talent there as well. (laughs) So that's something Molly won't say, but there is just so much talent and toughness there. And so, I think that also plays a uh, very large role in it as well. Not that the other women aren't tough, but um, uh, Molly has a lot of talent and toughness for sure. So, Yeah, physical and mental for sure. You mentioned the Foot Locker National Championship, the NCAA titles. You know, looking throughout those like uh, seasons of your life, you know, you've got the high school season, the college season, now you've got the pro season you've checked those boxes now. Like, you know what I mean? Like you won the biggest title you could in high school. You did it in college and now you're an Olympian. What does that mean to you? Um, I, it's so funny because like, obviously those, the titles are, are big. They mean a lot, but, um, if anything, like they, they're, I see them kind of as like, stepping stones to to get where I want to be like I think at any level you can you can accomplish something and be like okay I achieved that dream like that's it something and if anything like I feel like each time I've won one of those it's then just been this impetus like okay now like I like I want to use this as fuel to like go to go to the next thing not that I'm not like satisfied Mm -hmm. with them but it's this idea of like okay like I feel like this has been like a stepping stone to get to the the next place that I want to be. And so like now like qualifying like for the Olympics, it's like, it's this cool thing. And I want to really appreciate like getting to be an Olympian, but at the same time, especially now that we have an extra year Mm -hmm. to prepare for this thing, I want to be able to use this now as like, okay, I don't want to just go and be a pedestrian. Like I don't just want to go and be a spectator at the Olympics. I don't just want to go and like be happy to be there. I want to try and do my best now that I've accomplished this of becoming an Olympian, which is a lifelong dream of mine, but use it as fire now to be like, okay, I'm an Olympian now. What can I do to go and try and show up to the line in Sapporo and be the most ready that I can be to actually compete in this race and not just be happy to be there? So I know everybody's okay with, but obviously like in your heart, it feels a little bit disappointing to not go this year. I'm curious, do you feel like having that extra year, does that make you nervous or does it make you think, yes, I have more time to get better? Yeah, I think it it goes two ways. Um, There's obviously the sadness of not having it this year. It was like such a roller coaster, like three weeks in which it was like, qualify for the Olympics. Mm. Oh my God, the world is shutting down. (laughs) Will we keep our spot on the teams? Now the Olympics are fully postponed. All of this stuff. And It was nice that it not nice, but I guess partially a relief when they finally announced the date for the Olympics to be in the summer of 2021 and knowing that we had secured our spots because the security that that gave me was okay. Now we don't have to like wrangle and try and like requalify for the games. I can go in. That would have just been a nightmare. I for everyone. Did, I think. Did but, anybody actually make you think that you would have to do yes, that? Yes, really? Yes, 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 yes. That was a a big conversation John and I were were wow. having, and it's and it's stressful. But now that we have that, now that we're secure in that knowledge, 
I'm actually looking at it as a huge opportunity to be like, okay, like realistically four months is pretty quick to turn around to go run the Olympics in the summer. Like having a full extra year that we can like put together a timeline, Mm -hmm. hopefully get in another like full like major marathon in the fall and use this as the time to gain experience. Because realistically, I am super inexperienced at this race. Like even just talking with the, um, the Morton nutrition guys who I'm now sponsored by them. And I was on a call with them a couple weeks ago. And I found out that I was taking like literally half of the carbohydrates that I needed in that race. And they're like, Oh my we've got to nail- Yeah. We've got to nail this down. And I'm like, well, now we've got a year to nail it down. Wow. And so it's, it's things like that, or just like, like John being able to like put together, like, like try out different things with training, try and get a little bit ready for a faster, flatter course in Sapporo. Like for someone who's 25 years old, who's only done one of these things. I think for me, it is a really good opportunity to get that extra experience that I'm going to need now jumping up this next level to the higher competition. That's going to be at the games. Yes. Okay. I saw Des and Laura Thweet both tweeting about this. Like, why would, you know, like, why would we even think about making these athletes try to requalify? And, you know, so many thoughts in my head, just like everything we already talked about, how like on any given day, like, is it your day or is it not regardless of your talent and all that? Um, I can't believe that you guys had to even think for a second that you would have to requalify. That just seems insane to me. Yeah, I guess I was actually, I was really surprised at how, like in my mind when it was first like going to be postponed or people were talking about it, where my mind first one was like, oh, it's just delayed by a year. Like we wouldn't even have to think about rerunning it. And then people online were talking about it. Mm. I was like, wait, is this like an actual like mm-hmm. conversation people are having? And then I was getting like messaged by people about it. There was a lot of chatter about how like the team that they had wasn't going to be the best team. Jeez. Like I-, I think a lot of people want to go in Monday morning quarterback this race and be like, oh no, like what actual team will we put together that would be the best or something? And like, yes, we could do that. We could do it like other countries, like Kenya mm-hmm. does it where they choose by committee and have a lot of politics going into it. And, but we don't, it's a, it's a winner take all race. And it's obviously it might not necessarily be the team that everybody wants, but it's the team we're going to get. And yeah. I, it made me definitely like really sad to mm-hmm. be hearing a lot of people mm-hmm. being like you, like I had that, like, somebody told me that. is like, you shouldn't be on this team. Ugh. I'm like, okay, that's your opinion. Screw you. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's like, sure, like, you can be, I don't know. I, I'm just the opinion, like, man, I ran it. Like, y'all you can be it. mad about it, but sorry. <laughs> yeah, I would say the vast majority of people are totally in your corner on this one. Question. Did you, when you mentioned the, you know, possibly getting third place, I'm curious, John, was Alphine one of the people that you were like, yeah, she's probably going to be one of the ones that's going to make this team? Yeah, I I thought Alphine was one of the ones who definitely had, like, from what I'd heard um, through the grapevine from Molly, that Alphine was in very good shape. So, yeah, she definitely was um, one of the people that I was – um, had my eye on within uh, like looking at the start list for sure 
Hey friends, a quick break to thank the Rise Run Retreat, virtual running retreat that Sarah Canny is putting on this May. April is already sold out. Registration for May opens May 4th. Here's a word from Sarah Canny. Hey listeners, my name is Sarah Canny and I'm the founder and host of the Women's Running Retreat, Rise Run Retreat. Last fall, I started dreaming up the idea of a virtual running retreat to help make our in-person retreats more accessible to women all over the world. With so many races and events canceled and the inability to run with our run besties, the Rise Run Retreat virtual running retreat has become a great way to stay connected and motivated during this uncertain time. So what exactly is a virtual running retreat you're asking? Well, we've put together a three-day live and interactive experience that includes the original themes and content from our in-person retreats, a digital workbook, access to two live webinars and live Q&A with our guest speakers, access to a private online community forum, a custom swag box delivered right to your doorstep, and a digital swag bag with generous discounts from our brand partners. Not to mention the connections you'll make with other women runners all over the world. For our next virtual retreat, May 15th through the 17th, we will welcome ultra runner Myrna Valerio and running coach and injury prevention specialist Kim Nadow. We'll also be announcing a special bonus guest on May 1st. For me personally, the virtual retreat has been a bright spot, something to look forward to that fills me with inspiration and motivates me to keep moving forward. I would love for you to join us. So mark your calendars. Registration for our May 15th through 17th virtual retreat opens May 4th. Head over to riserunretreat.com for more info and be sure to use the code IHA10 to get 10% off your virtual retreat registration. Thanks, Sarah. All right, friends, let's get back to the show with Molly and John. And Molly, can you talk about Alphine? I love like when she replayed the story talking about, you know, come on, Molly, like now's the time. Like I teared up when she told me that. And I read your Instagram post about your bus ride to Houston. And I would just love to hear you talk about that relationship a little bit. So Alephine is legitimately like just one of the best people I've Mm -hmm. ever met. Just wholehearted. Like there are, certain people in the world that are just like wholeheartedly good people. And Alphine is one of those people. Like she is someone that I've been lucky enough to know for several years and become friends with. Um, Obviously we're not like, we're not teammates Mm -hmm. directly. She runs for Hoka, um, Nazalie and I'm for Saucony, but she's always someone that's so supportive of the people around her um, and has been a mentor to me. Like when we get to run together, just always has good advice, a positive attitude. Um, And so as I was building up for this marathon, she was very excited for me that it was going to be my first one. And and she has been through her share of injuries as well. So it was giving me a lot of very good tips, um, not only training wise, but just kind of like life wise, mentality wise going into this race. Um, And I, she's enormously talented. So going into it, I definitely had her, had her picked as one of the people to make the team. And in those last six miles when we broke away together, it was really just incredible getting to have her there because I think if she had wanted to, she probably could have like dusted my ass early on. (laughs) But the fact that she, or at the very least, like been very competitive about it and tried to drop Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people would necessarily be 
so like magnanimous to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to take this person here who is very inexperienced and a rookie who I could definitely drop like a bad habit and work with them and like, yeah, like encourage them and work with them so that the two of us together can make it to the finish line and gap this field. And so that was, it was like this feeling of knowing when we were running together that she was like working with me rather than against me and encouraging me. And we were trying, trying to like talk back and forth a little bit. And it, I don't know if the race would have turned out the way that it did because having her there and encouraging me like that was what kept me pushing, kept me pushing and was what was able to help us keep that lead over the rest of the field. So, and obviously she pulled away in the last, um, the last mile or two of the race. But for the majority of that breakaway, we are just like running together and working as teammates um, rather than as competitors, which I've, I've never really gotten to have that in a race before. And it's really fun. Yeah. I was thinking as you were explaining that, how uniquely different the marathon is in that way. Cause I imagine in shorter distance races, you know, if you're duking it out in a 10 K there's really just like probably not that, you're going too fast. Everything's too fierce to like have that camaraderie. I'm assuming you tell me though, I I'm not a professional athlete. Yeah, no, no. I definitely feel that. I feel like in a, a road 10 K it's kind of just like the claws come out. <laughs> like you're yeah, it's, it's very competitive. It's very sharp. Everything's so fast. And truthfully, the, there isn't really enough time mm. to get like, you can use racing tactics. Like I've had cross country races where you have to like work together with people, but truthfully, like the last part of the race, like, yeah, the last quarter of a race, it's like basically every woman for themselves. Whereas in that marathon, it was like, I think with Alfie knowing how much it was going to hurt those last six miles with the breakaway that we were doing and me kind of realizing how much it was going to hurt. Um, just seeing like, okay, like the best shot that we have for both of us making the team right now is to work mm. together rather than against each other. Cause if we try to run each other into the ground, then they're definitely going to catch us. Like let's work together and like be a force right now to try and like get both of us over the line. Um, and it was funny, like uh, afterwards, people were like, you were only eight seconds away from the win. You totally could have caught her. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, no. I was like hanging out for dear life. The fact that Alphine was willing to like work with me long enough that I was only eight seconds back, like that speaks more to her than to me. Like there was I was hanging out for dear life at that point. Those last couple of miles were the most painful of my life. But like just having her there and that like she's also just like a very like good calming presence like she doesn't seem to like mm. get like mm -hmm. oh like overly emotional during a race you can just kind of tell she's like steady Eddie knows what she's doing I was like I just trust it like if I run with this woman right now like we're gonna make it but I just kind of have to like lean into the pain and work with her and go with it need to get in a race right in between her and Des <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. That would be, yeah. Just like the most like emotionally like stable and gratifying <laughs> race. <laughs> just like positive vibes all around. Now I heard you mentioned when they handed you the flag that you felt like it a little was maybe a little premature. Yeah. A little preemptive handing it to you like 600 meters. Uh -huh. like, it's basically a half mile out. And because I, at that point, did not really realize how much um, how uh -huh. much of a gap we had uh -huh. on third and fourth place. So all I was thinking as I was getting it was like, my legs feel like lead right now. I feel like I'm barely able to run. 
and they're handing me this flag. Like if I get passed by somebody in the last like 400 meters of this race and they like yank the flag out of my hand, I'm going to look like an idiot. But <laughs> I'm very glad that we did have enough of a lead at that point to be able to like kind of enjoy the the final like yeah downhill into the finish. Oh, so nice. The downhill, I'm sure. Well, I know I was thinking about that with Sally because, you, you know, you and Alphine had so much of a gap on her. Um, as a spectator though, when man, Sally looked like she was fading and those, you know, Des was close. Des and Laura were closing in quick. So she was probably running for her life with that American flag. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they gave it to us so so early. Like, and especially with how the men's race went down where it was literally a sprint finish. I was just like, Oh my God. Like (laughs) they might need to rethink this in the future. That was, that finish was so exciting to see that those guys duking it out at the end. Like, whoa. I mean, just to go 26 miles and have it really on the line right there. Yeah. That's the kind of finish that I love to watch, but I'm really glad that I wasn't (laughs) part of that. (laughs) I'm like, cool. Good for you guys. I much prefer our nice low key finish. Yeah. (laughs) I'm curious to know, John, I mean, is this is, is Molly the first person you've ever really coached? Yeah. Yeah. I would say she's definitely the first, uh, official person I've coached. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So what an experience to, uh, jump right into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, uh, (laughs) having your first athlete go to, uh, make the Olympic team is something that's, uh, yeah, definitely something special and definitely doesn't happen very often. So, uh, yeah, time to, I'm, I'm ready to start coaching more people for sure. And, (laughs) um, starting to learn more and more because I learned so much during this build with her and um, continuing to learn. So that's what I'm looking forward to moving forward for sure. Yeah. I was going to ask, are you getting a lot of inquiries about it? I've gotten a few. Yeah. I've had uh, some people reach out um, via Instagram um, interested in having me uh, coach them uh, individually. And so, um, yeah, I've been talking to a few people about that. Okay. So I'm curious, what are you like, as far as coaching goes, like, what do you envision that looking like? Like mostly pro athletes, uh, mostly longer distance athletes. Definitely, um, definitely distance athletes. Um, I do have. I, I would say I'm pretty comfortable coaching anywhere from the 800, I guess, up to the marathon now. So um, I was a 5K, 10K runner myself, and so that's definitely something where I I understand it um, pretty well. Um, like anything, there's still things to be learned and experiences to be had with it. But um, yeah, I'm looking at coach. I I don't know who I'm necessarily um, more interested in coaching professionally or not, or possibly I'll be applying for some NCAA positions, Mm, hopefully um, as they become available. And so, and just kind of looking at all the different options and seeing what uh, is the best option for um, myself and as well as the situation with Molly. Yeah. And so are you, I know that, you know, you had talked about possibly running in the 10 K for the trials. Are you still looking to compete competitively yourself? Yeah. 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 I'm actually taking some time off right now, just kind of relaxing. Um, I ended up, uh, losing my contract with Saucony, uh, the week before, or the week of the trials. And so since then I've taken a little bit of time off and yeah, I'm, I have full intention of trying to be on the line for, uh, the 10 K U S trials in, uh, in a year from now. <laughs> now, is that common to have someone running at the pro level also coaching? Um, I know 
I don't believe so. The only other um, one that comes to mind is I believe Dathan Ritzenhine mm-hmm. is coaching Parker Stinson. Okay. Um, but other than that, I don't know of any other um, situation where that's happening. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't know if Ryan Hall ever coached Sarah Hall or vice versa. So I, I'm not sure about well, that. Well, he's but, been coaching um, her for a while now, but I don't I don't yeah. know when he was competing. I think that's only started since his pro career ended, Yeah, I want to okay. say. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that, that the only one that comes to mind is Dathan and uh, uh, Parker. Okay, and then so the other question with that is, will you be coached, or do you like to be self-coached? Um, I'll probably work with my college coach, okay. um, my coach Brandon Bonzi, who's at Georgetown right now. Um, I'll work with him, and I also I I work well. Me and him have had a very um, uh, similar to the I feel like the relationship Molly and I have had is a very um, uh, we both kind of create ideas together. Um, it's a collaboration of us together, not just uh, one person saying this is what we do. Um, so, yeah, I, I usually I'll, I'll work with him probably. Uh, I have to reach out to him and talk to him. Uh, about <laughs> that, but uh, yeah, most likely I'm, he's always there and uh, only a text away usually. So that's pretty easy. We'll send him a link to the episode and we'll tell him that you're playing. <laughs> yeah, hey, listen in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to be coaching me hopefully, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess moving forward, um, moving forward, what are you guys excited about as far as the fall? I mean, who knows if fall marathons are even going to happen, right? I know. That's like, I feel like so much of right now is just trying to like, I don't know, like be very flexible with things. And like, I'm definitely hoping that the fall marathons are going to happen and I'm really hoping that we'll have races in the in the late summer, early fall, like some of these bigger bigger road races. But yeah, we we can't really know. Um, so yeah, I guess like right now we've talked about like very tentative plans and like some training stuff. I'm I'm taking a little bit of like just easy running right now. We're not doing hard training. Um, just kind of like emotionally and physically recharging a bit. But um, yeah, I think it's really hard to just like straight up plan for things right now when the world seems to be changing on like a weekly basis. Yeah. How are you recovering and recharging right now? Um, Like I, I, like well versus not well or like in what ways? Just like in your life. Like what are you doing? Um, In my life, I'm mostly easy running, doing some like, I guess like some like up-tempo running, but for the most part, it's just mileage. And then truthfully, it's kind of just like laying low. Um, I've been reading a lot. Um, I've been trying to stay off social media. Like I'll, mm. I'll go on to like do kind of like my my required number of posts for, <laughs> for Saucony and whatnot without like, yeah, now that I've got all these Instagram followers, I feel like I should probably be a little bit more on it with social make media. Make people but, um, happy, Molly. May give the people what they want. Really <laughs> awkward. Like, really <laughs> awkward content. But um, yeah, for the most part, trying to stay off social media, not be on my phone too much. But um, yeah, just taking some time to really just like mentally recharge. And that's what I like about being being here in Wisconsin with my family, it definitely is a little bit slower pace of life compared to Boston. Um, I think every, all, all life right yeah. now is kind of slowed a little bit, but um, it's nice. Like I just get to hang out with my sister and we go for runs together. Um, it's given me some time. I'd had some like little foot issues leading in 
So now it's giving me some time to finally let that like heal up, re-strengthen it and like get it ready for the next round. And then just like mentally, like kind of like get that like competitive fire back. I have no desire right now to do any of those like virtual race series <laughs> or like all that when I see people like, yeah, I'm going out and like banging out 150 miles a week and I'm doing like trying to get my 10k PR in this virtual race series I'm like I don't want to do that like <laughs> screw that <laughs> yeah uh... so I think this is a nice like forced forced period of like reflection and a little bit just like of downtime you know you seem wise beyond your years do people tell you that I I think John would tell me that I'm like dumb, <laughs> dumb in a lot of ways. But <laughs> I, in I would not say that. that I, no, he wouldn't say that I was dumb. But I can be, I can be very hard headed with things a lot of times. Um, but no, I. Yeah, I don't know. I think I've had enough times of like going through a lot of like some of the struggles I've been through and like learning the hard way of certain things is like I definitely have a greater appreciation now for like that need to like take times to rest and like the need to have like different cycles, I guess, throughout your year of like really high intensity of like getting ready for a race and then being able to like back off. I I think when I was younger, um I definitely didn't have that awareness uh, that you can't just like go, 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 go all the time. Yeah. Now at my ripe old age of 25, I hope that I've learned enough to be a little bit, um, a little bit wiser. You seem more mature than I was at 25. What John, what, what do you, do you think she's wise beyond her years? I don't, it's hard because I'm 25 as well. Uh. (laughs) Um, uh, I think she's, yeah, she's definitely like, I would say she's very mature and um, in decision making. And um, yeah, I, I would say she's wise for sure. <laughs> but it, it's also hard for me to say as, a, an, as another 25 year old. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. trying to think what the dumbest thing I asked you, I the dumbest thing I wanted to do most recently that you just like completely shut me down. Because I feel like that's like a consistent thread in our like friendship and coaching relationship is like me wanting to do something exceedingly dumb in my training and John just being like nope not gonna happen like of course not and then me realizing like yeah that would have been really dumb well the two marathons back to back you two marathons back to back no because I feel like there's even one more like one like even more recently or something that I yeah, I can't even remember what it was, but it was definitely an instance of like, hey, like, wouldn't this be fun? You were like, nope, wouldn't be fun. Super dumb. <laughs> uh, we did talk about doing the World Half Championships, possibly. Yes. Oh, the World Half Championships, because it would have been a month after oh my gosh. the marathon trials. And we determined <laughs> that that probably would not be the wisest thing. But that was also back when I was originally planning on trying to come back for the 10K sure. on the track. So. Were you going to do that? Wait, before you made yeah. the team, before you made the team. Well, even after I made the team. Really? Um, yeah. Cause originally, like originally the plan had been go out, run the marathon trials, hopefully finish somewhere in the top 10 if all went well, and then gear back up to try and run the 10 K on the sure. track. Just because doing this whole marathon thing was just because my body really couldn't handle the kind of traditional 10 K training uh-huh. that I had been doing. So the idea was, oh, if I just get super strong with distance doing this marathon type training, maybe I can like 
weasel my way in coming down in distance into the 10k team um then I made the team and it was like oh thank god now I don't have to try and make the 10k team because I don't really (laughs) but you were gonna go run it anyway but I was gonna run it regardless we were going to run Peyton Jordan to try and get my Olympic qualifying time and then um try and run the trials not necessarily to try and make the 10k team after I had already made the marathon team but just because like it was going to be a good opportunity for me to try and get my speed back. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never gotten to run the Olympic track mm-hmm. trials. I, I was injured in 2016 and it just seemed like kind of a cool thing to get to do. Yeah. Yeah. To do it on the track and not on the roads. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So why does your body handle the longer stuff and the more tempo-y than the fast track stuff better? I don't know. It's like, it's so interesting because like, that's how it's always been for me. Like I get injured off of 50 miles a week and really intense Mm. workouts. Mm -hmm. And I don't get injured on 100 to 115 miles a week in moderate workouts. It's just like, it's this weird thing. Um, I've never been a super like speedy runner. I think my college coach, Matt Sparks can attest to that too. Like I have literally one speed. Um, my, my mile pace, my 5k pace, my 10k pace aren't all that drastically different. (laughs) Um, but I think like, if anything, I don't necessarily have the, the fast twitch and like the form mechanics to be a very quick runner, but I am very efficient over long distances. So I think I can like kind of conserve momentum and conserve energy over those long distances, but doing fast stuff on the track, I just kind of like, I don't know. It just has a bad habit of like tearing my hip apart. So now you're a full blown marathoner. Like you can't go back now really. Right. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll still do stuff on the track. I don't think like everybody now has been like, Oh, so now you never have to race track again. But it's like, but I kind of like doing it. Yeah. And I do like doing the shorter road races. Like I'm, still definitely going to do that kind of stuff. And I would love, especially like if it happens in this next year, world cross is happening Mm. in the, in the winter. And like, I love cross country. So that's something that I really have my eye set on. Um, and like John and I will definitely talk more about that. Hopefully is it as they figure out whether or not that's going to be able to happen in Australia next year. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Like, I, I like being able to do a variety of distances and I think doing a lot of different things kind of gives you that sharpness that you don't get like boxed into one event. Yeah. So I know you can't like announce marathons because well, a, it's too early, but B, we don't even know if they're happening, but I'm just thinking if you are thinking of trying to get experience on a flatter course, for the Olympics, would you be doing a fall and then not doing a spring? Cause then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would kind of be a lot to try and do fall and spring and then and Olympics in the summer. So it would probably be more of like try and get the experience in the fall if they happen. Um, and then maybe do some like different distances in the spring. And I feel like it would still be kind of cool to try and go for the, on the track, um, on the track 10k type stuff and it's going to be a super deep field for that now um but yeah I guess we'll just kind of take it as it comes like so much of my running is kind of just like taking it one day at a time and seeing how things go like hell even even the build-up for the trials so many things had to change whether it's like moving around workouts or like yeah and changing all like the different race plans and stuff so I know our plan will change probably a million times over the next like in 16 months. 
Okay, I so can confirm that too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so possibly running Chicago in the fall then. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, let's just like start throwing out like rumors for everyone right now. One hundred percent doing this. She's right? doing it. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna do I, the Leadville one hundred. Yeah, I, I've been reached out to by a lot of like smaller marathons too. Like, there's a big one here in, in Milwaukee called the Milwaukee Lakefront Marathon, and there's like <laughs> there's huge movement to try and get me to do that. I'm like, sorry guys, like yeah. I I just don't think that one's in the car. And no, 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 no. Oh my gosh. Well, um, gosh, you guys are so easy to talk to. I can't believe we're already at 57 minutes. I don't. Oh wow, that went really fast. I know. Yeah. Um, I just have a couple more things, and we'll do into the mm-hmm. podcast. Are you guys okay on time? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we're good. Okay. <laughs> we have literally nowhere else. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm like, the longer this goes, the longer I get to hide from my kids for a little bit more. So I'm, I'm good. <laughs> um, no, I don't want to glaze over this. We're not We're going to get into it, but I just want to encourage everybody, they can go listen to your podcast uh, with Julia and Running on Ohm to get into a little bit more of your history. But um, in that podcast, you did open up about your past experiences with eating disorders and things like that. And I just want to ask you, like, do you feel like good right now? Like, do you feel like this is a new chapter? Yes, in a way, but I feel like it has been difficult over the last couple of weeks with all the stress sure. in the world. Um, that was also part of my reason for coming back to Wisconsin, just because like, I don't do well mentally when I'm like, alone just like with my own thoughts like pinging in my own brain uh, like 24 hours a day so part of coming back to Wisconsin was being like having my family around to kind of hold me accountable to keep me good just because high anxiety is kind of like my pinch point when it comes to my own like struggles with eating disorders but yeah I do feel like um I've kind of like gone now that I've like uh, like qualified for the Olympics and like I do feel like in a good place to be able to like move forward now. And I wouldn't say that I am like cured. I don't think anybody ever like fully overcomes like, like disordered eating and stuff like that. But I do think I have a much like more mature and healthier approach to, to my eating and my fueling for, for my sport and able to approach it from that standpoint versus where I was in college. Well, I love hearing that. And I love that you took the step to go be with your family because um, it it would be hard no matter what. I feel like being by yourself right now in regards to food, even if you didn't struggle with an eating disorder in the past, just being alone all the time, you know? Yeah, well, I've, I've actually been reached out to by a lot of people who have been like struggling or relapsed, like, or like their disordered eating has gotten worse, like in this time, just because it is like, this is literally like mm-hmm. prime time for like any sort of anxiety surrounding like food or whatnot or like I mean it's eating disorders are control mechanisms for mm-hmm. for anxiety and depression and all these kinds of things and so I think it's really important right now that people are being able to like yeah find the help that they need and and yeah do the do the the really hard work to overcome that stuff and yeah it's not comfortable to do that but um I think now more than ever, it is really, really important. For sure. Okay, so what are your dreams outside of running? Uh, my, actually one that I've talked about with um, one of my good friends, 
back in Boston, he roasts coffee. Mm. And I really want, I have a, after, after I graduated from college, when I didn't think I was going to get to run pro because my hip was pretty messed up. I am, I reconstructed a 1966 Airstream trailer with the dream of opening a mobile coffee shop out of there. And so I would love to open a mobile coffee shop out of my Airstream and take it around to different tracks in Boston and host run coffee clubs out of my Airstream. I know that's a very specific dream, but that's just something I've wanted to do for years. (laughs) Do you still have the Airstream? Oh yeah, of course. Oh my gosh. Is there pictures of it on Instagram? I don't have them on Instagram, but I can definitely send them to you to put up uh, on the pod. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I was just, that's good content, Molly. You're looking for more content. You have to. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I read the problem is there's nowhere freaking in Boston to park it. Like, uh, so is it in Wisconsin? A, it's in Wisconsin right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually kind of want to take it out. If I, if I end up doing a marathon buildup in Colorado Springs um, this fall, I really want to take it out there because it's a great little like, camp vehicle it's got like a little mini kitchen in there it's got a pull-out bed and a couch in the front so um it's not like super winterized but it's got solar panels on the roof so it's like definitely like self-sufficient off the grid that's awesome that is that is so Mm -hmm. fun I love that your goal is so specific too yes just slap on a sock (laughs) and a sweatshirt stand in front of the airstream boom there's one of your pictures for the month I, yeah, perfect. See, I need you as my social media advisor. <laughs> How many pictures a month do you have to post? It's not necessarily like a requirement. Sure. And truthfully, Saucony is really nice about it, not like requiring uh-huh. too much. Um, but it's definitely a sense of like, okay, we need to be like posting regularly sure. and like putting ourselves out there. So I try to like make it fun. I'm definitely more of like, kind of like the weird awkward runner vibe on mine I don't really do well with like the traditional uh-huh. like thirst trap bikini photos or whatnot <laughs> so um I try to yeah I definitely try to like keep it pretty true to who I am um uh, and yeah people, hopefully people can also who, check her out on people can also check her out on TikTok too oh Not you're just on TikTok well I saw the video <laughs> I recently started doing that it's been um I have downloaded it for our like Saucony women's video uh-huh, that we made. Uh-huh. And since then I've found that it actually is really fun to make very dumb videos that uh, <laughs> perfectly fit my kind of really dumb humor. So I, I've been enjoying that. So I've done one TikTok video and I wasn't embarrassed about it. It's fine. But anytime I've been like, oh, I want to do another one because I do, I'm not a good dancer, but I like to dance. It's fun for me. Um, anytime I think about it, I feel like it's st- stupid and I, I'm not doing a good job. So I never post it anything. I've, I've tried like once, but I look at other people's stuff and they're so funny that I, I love seeing like what some people are doing. I'm definitely not a dancer. So I try to avoid those. My sister's really good with the dances and I just have no rhythm. Um, but yeah, I like to do like little jokes on it. I think everybody can kind of put their own little twist on it. Okay. I'm sure your kids would love it. Oh, my kids do love it. The problem is, though, is TikTok's got some, like, stuff on there that you don't want your kids to see. So, and I didn't yeah. know that at first. So I, like, gave I like gave my son, my older one, he's seven, um, my phone. I was like, yeah, you can look at videos. And then my sister, who, her daughter's a couple years older, so she's 
but she's been around the block a little bit more than me with the parenting <laughs> thing. And she was like, you don't want him to have TikTok. You don't want him to like watch that by himself. Yeah, I could see that getting, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that getting bad pretty quick. Oh yeah. I'm like, okay, Lindsay, you're smarter than that. But yeah, they love to do like the dances and stuff like that for sure. I was going to say though, based on talking about Saucony, you know, you seem like your personality is so fit for that brand. What comes to mind for me is um, Noah Drati being a Saucony athlete. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I feel like Saucony, all of us are kind of like the, like definitely like a quirkier yeah. brand than some of them. But it's really fun because they're always down for like, I'll definitely come to like our, our social media guru, Maggie. And like, just with the dumbest ideas. And she's always like, good, let's do it. Go. Like, I'm actually really excited once the world opens back up. We've got some real like ideas for just really dumb, silly, fun videos around the Saucony office. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll, that'll come to fruition. That's awesome. Okay. So one more thing I want to ask you about, and I wanted to touch on this a little bit earlier, but we did, you know, we just had so many fun things to talk about. So it doesn't really fit here, but I just still want to hear about um, Girls Gotta Run and your Ethiopia trip and how you're connected with yeah. that group. So can you just tell everybody what that is? Yeah. So Girls Gotta Run is a nonprofit group started by Kayla Nolan um, that works in, it's now, I believe, six different towns in Ethiopia. But basically, it's a, a scholarship program that seeks to empower young women ages 12, 12 through 16 with um, education. So providing scholarships to school, meals, life skills training, and run coaching. Um, and the it started out originally as a means of helping women who were trying to become pro runners in Ethiopia also get an education because um, the, it's very difficult in Ethiopia for for people to pursue both. It's almost kind of like one or the mm -hmm. other. Um, and as Kayla was over there for a number of years, she realized that she there was actually this huge need for um, girls in the community who weren't hoping to become pro runners, um, just in the sense that the average age of marriage in many of these towns is, is 13. Wow. Um, but if you can provide scholarship to let these families of kind of at-risk girls stay in school up to age 16, they have a much higher um, percentage of going to college, um, being able to like graduate high school, start a business in town. Some of them do go on to become pro runners, but mostly it's about giving them a choice in their lives, which I think like before going over there, I didn't even realize how much of a luxury it is just to be able to like be an American woman and have a choice over what to do with my life. And a lot of them, it's kind of like their family is telling them what they have to do. Their whole life is kind of like they have no autonomy over what they get to do. And that's what this program seeks to do. It's giving them the education and the life skills tools that they need to really succeed and, and have autonomy over their own lives. So I um, got involved when I first moved to Boston. I I kind of spoke on a panel that my friend Julia Hanlon had set up and then over time um, got more and more involved with the program and ended up going over and taking part in a 100 mile relay that we did across the country in order to raise money for the program that um, it was a relay with both American women and girls within the project and the idea behind it being we're, we're going to accomplish something that none of us could do on our own, but together we can all accomplish this together. 
And so did that with a, a large group over there. And then just this past fall, I went over solo. So I was in Bakoji training with the girls, um, getting a lot of like their stories, doing interviews and just learning more on like a day to day, like what their lives are like and kind of seeing the struggles that they go through, but also just like the incredible good that is done in this program, not only in the lives of the girls, but also in their mothers within the community and just how much it can really change a life. So yeah, I, I love getting to do it because it's such a good, like gives me so much perspective on how blessed I have been in my own life. Um, and just realizing like the good that can come from, from running, using it to like empower women and show them that they can have like confidence and strength in their own bodies and then kind of strive for, for more in their lives. So sorry, that was kind of like the diatribe, but yeah, it's, it's something that I'm really passionate about and I'm, I'm hoping to get to go back over, but I, I know that's going to be a little bit of a struggle now in the next couple months, but yeah, just the girls over there, are some of the best people I've ever met. I just love it so much because Sometimes I feel like it's easy to put all your eggs in one basket in a sense of like dedicating your life to something like your own professional running career. And I think it's so cool that you've gotten so involved with them. Yeah, I think like I've noticed amongst like in the pro running world, there is a trend towards like, okay, while I'm doing this, I have to Mm -hmm. be 100% in and only focus on like my daily nutrition and having the perfect something laid down and like everything has to be exactly like laid out Mm -hmm. to achieve my goals. And for me personally, whether it's working with girls got to run working as a barista in a cafe, babysit, like some of these other things, I don't think you have to be a one dimensional thing to succeed in this sport. Like if anything, I've thrived more when I do have maybe some other things to put mental effort into. And if anything, just to like take some of the focus around off of myself sometimes because running is a at the core of it a pretty self-centered sport Mm, sure and so realizing like okay can I use my running to maybe do more in the world and I know I'm not doing a whole lot like in the grand scheme of things like I'm not doing all that much like there are other people within Girls Gotta Run who are doing so much more than I am I'm a very 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 small part of it but if I can do any small amount of thing to give back in any way I don't know. Like at the end of the day, I feel like, yeah, it's about using running to, to leave something behind that you're proud of, whether that's achieving things in your running or inspiring other people or doing some sort of good in the world that's going to last beyond your own running career. Now, do you think your pull to doing that, is that tied to your faith or tied to like how you were brought up with your family? Yeah, I, I guess I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, I think like at, at ND, like it's a, it's a Catholic school. I, I grew up Irish Catholic in our family. Um, definitely a sense of like stewardship and giving back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if that's like the only thing I think part of it is like, I like, there's a reason why I'm involved in a program that's kind of like focused on running. Mm-hmm. Like this is sure. a passion of mine. And so I obviously want to be involved in something that kind of like fits that passion and be able to use my talent in the like in a the best way I can um but yeah I guess like at ND we definitely were driven to like yeah give back to your community to volunteer to help out Mm -hmm. um and to be a part of something bigger than just yourself so yeah I guess like in retrospect it kind of is but part of it is just 
I really like to travel and I like going to different places and meeting a lot of really cool different people. And I think they're like, I've learned so much from going over to Ethiopia. I think it's given me really interesting training insights. It's govern or it's influenced a lot of how my training has changed over the last year. Um, and yeah, I think like everybody can probably stand to gain something from maybe just seeing a different way of life every once in a while and just shifting out of the paradigm that we kind of get stuck in. I think we in a, in the U.S. get stuck into this frame of thinking like there's only one good way to do things. And like, no, there's a million different ways. Like my grandpa used to say, like, there's there's a lot of different ways to cook a cook a potato. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you, yeah, there's no one way you're going to find success. And sometimes changing it up helps. Yeah. And I think that you know, what we talked about earlier, what you were saying about how you're training, you know, you were looking at those other women's training at that time and how you weren't doing those kinds of workouts, but like it clearly worked. So it's just, there's just not one way. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, everybody's going to have a different route to success. And in the past, I think getting caught up in other people's training was ultimately why I kept getting hurt or why I, yeah, wasn't finding success. And so I think John's been really good at kind of helping like hammer into my really thick skull. Like, yeah, you don't train like other people, but there's nothing wrong with that. For sure. Okay. So, um, are we, let's do our end of the podcast questions. Are we ready for this? Did you, John rapid fire? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, but John, you have to answer too, because I feel like I, I haven't, um, I haven't asked you yeah, as many sure. questions as I wanted to. Uh, yeah. I'll let John go first on all these because I feel like I've oh, been like taking thanks. over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> first, I want to start, and we didn't prep you with this, is I'm building a happy song playlist on Spotify. Um, this started with my Des Linden interview last week, and she she got this party started with Lovely Day by Bill Withers. Mm. Oh my gosh, such a good song. Mm-hmm. And so I should have prepped you, but I didn't. So I'm just going to carry it on though. What is a happy song to add to this playlist? Uh, I like Dance Off by uh, uh, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Okay, oh. fun. <laughs> it's a very fun, uh, very fun song. Yes. I love Macklemore. <laughs> okay. What you got, Molly? Yeah, I've... I've been really digging Abby the Nomad. Um, he's a, a rapper out of L.A. Uh, his new album, Modern Trash, I've been loving recently. And his song, Silicon Valley, is, like, so good. I think I listened to it, like, five times in a row on my last run. So, yeah. Um, Silicon Valley by Abby the Nomad. I cannot wait to check out this group. I've never heard of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's... He- Oh, it's a rapper. Super, One guy. Super good. He actually, yeah, yeah, rapper out of, out of LA. So super, super uh, good music. Wow. I'm pumped. Okay, cool. I'm so glad I asked that question. Uh, what is one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you have not done yet, John? I'd like to visit more countries. I haven't visited a ton of countries. Uh, I've only been to a few. And so that's definitely something that's kind of uh, on my, uh, one of the things on my bucket list. Love it. How about you, Molly? Yeah, I think I'm going to piggyback off that too. Like I love traveling and I definitely want to want to travel a lot more. I've actually never been like been around mainland Europe or to Asia. 
So that's part of the reason I'm really excited to get to go to Japan. Um, but yeah, definitely get to like travel around, see more places. And yeah, sorry to completely copy John. On <laughs> it's okay. You're my answers. You're cheating. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I had you go first. <laughs> What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Um, fr- from a running perspective, I, my, my college team, we got 10th at NCAAs, um, in 2015, uh, for cross country. And that was something that was, that was definitely like a very special season. And so I'm very proud of that result, even though it's, it, it was the whole season and what we became as like a team. Love it. How about you, Molly? So this is going to sound really silly compared to like some of the other stuff that I've achieved. But when I was in high school, like our school's main sport was ski racing. Um, So that was definitely like running was always very individual for me because I was the only one on the team. Ski racing was like football for our school. And my sophomore year, we won state as a team, which was huge. And so like to this day, this Mm. is that's still like one of my like accomplishments that I'm most proud of because we did it as a team. And it was just like such a fun thing to get to have this like huge goal that we worked at like all of us worked towards it throughout the season and kind of came from behind and got it and I just I do love skiing like I always say like skiing's my first love even though running's my true love so that that's still one that I'm just like oh man 2010 lacrosse wisconsin state like that was a moment (laughs) yeah i can't believe your story just like your high school experience being in a school that small and just being such a standout runner in that you know small it was was so funny though because that's the thing is like the school was so small and nobody really cared about running that it was (laughs) a really good like check on my ego Uh of like you you go to these races and like you win and you think you're like hot shit and then like you come back to school and they're like like okay like sure cool like what's running (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know I vaguely remember in high school cross country going to state meets and I was always like in the back but we were there and uh I remember those top girls that were from those like super small schools or like homeschooled and be like what are who are these people where where do you live you know that (laughs) that was you and you would win (laughs) yeah yeah it's definitely like I would almost feel like on the weekends I would like it was like this double life kind of like I'd have like my normal like school life at like our super tiny school but just like I was like almost like a completely different person that I would like then like go to just these random track meets on yeah. the weekends. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Um, who's someone fun, motivating, or inspiring that you would enjoy having coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Um, I'm gonna steal an answer because I know Molly feels probably the same way. Is uh, probably Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. Um, oh god damn it <laughs> <laughs> yeah Malcolm Gladwell would definitely be somebody and I, I don't know if he listens to your podcast I know he loves running so um, <laughs> yeah I, I need he's to have definitely him on somebody. the podcast he, he would be excellent to have on the podcast okay I, people have recommended him I, I don't know he's, he'd prob- he's a pretty big name I don't know I, I think I could probably find a connection somewhere though and, and maybe make it happen yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> I've heard he's on Let's Run sometimes. So oh, just post, okay. Post, post Wait, something really? on the message boards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my that's God. That's hilarious. This is what I've heard. I, I can't <laughs> can't confirm or deny. I've heard that he's been on Let's Run. Okay. So. Well, 
That's really funny. Have you heard him <laughs> on, he was on um, Dax Armchair Expert. That was a really good interview. You should listen to it. Oh, I'll have to listen to that. Yeah. I like his podcast a lot, Revisionist History. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, they did an interview with him because I, have you read his new book? I want to read it. I haven't yet. Yeah. John got it for me for Christmas. It's so good. Is it? Okay. I feel like he was on, no, he was on Oprah too. He was on Dax and Oprah. So I'm like, Oh, I don't know. You're being interviewed by Oprah. (laughs) I don't know if I can get you on. Lizzie shoot for the moon. Okay. good. (laughs) I'll do it. Do you have a different answer? Are you going to go with him? Yeah. No, no. So I'll do a different answer. Okay. Um, My favorite author is um, Haruki Murakami. He's written um, like Kafka on the Shore, um, 1Q84, a a lot of like some of my absolute favorite books. It's a very like modern Japanese like surrealism and just a super incredible guy. He's also written a book called What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. Mm -hmm. And he is just someone that I just want to like pick his brain because every time – I read his books. I kind of just like get a fresh like mind blow out of it. Like it's just like kind of like, I don't know, changes my whole way of thinking every time I read something he's written. And so that is definitely someone that I would love to just like get to have a long conversation with. What is a nonprofit you like to support? I feel like you're going to say girls got to (laughs) run. Yeah. Yep. You called on that one. Girls got to run. Please support support them now more than ever. <laughs> we'll link to that in the show notes. John, do you have one? I uh, I like NPR. I listen to NPR a lot, and I feel like they provide some good news and information, so I, I like to support them. I love that. What is the best, most recent book you've read? Um, I just read uh, Fahrenheit, uh, Fahrenheit 451, and so that's uh, that's definitely the most recent book, and I've I'm enjoying it, So, or I enjoyed it, I should say. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to piggyback off of my person that I'd most like to meet. And I had just reread Haruki Murakami's 1Q84. And I actually like really vibed to it right now because part of the book is a woman has to like spend basically five months holed up in an apartment. Um, and just like that sense of like loneliness and mm-hmm. isolation. I was like, man, this is like the moment right now this is quarantine vibes if i've ever felt it so it's a it's definitely a long book it took me a while it's like over a thousand pages but definitely very very good if you want like a super trippy book to read if you put your phone down you can read a thousand page books like molly (laughs) (laughs) or if you just like really have nothing else going on (laughs) all right guys what is your one message to send to the world um I would say everybody during this time to be patient and kind of enjoy the newfound freedoms that um, can exist now. I like that. That's good. The newfound freedoms. I love that. Uh, I'd say eat more donuts. Everybody (laughs) just needs to eat a donut with a friend. (laughs) Oh, I love that. My husband's making brownies with my boys right now. So that sounds really good too. Oh, Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, I just got a, we have like a carriage house in the back of our house that we rent on Airbnb and it's obviously not rented now, which is kind of nice because I sneak back here for my interviews, but I just got a picture sent, texted to me of them making brownies in the kitchen. So I'm excited about that. Are these like regular brownies or do they have like a special flavor to them? I think he used a box. Like I think he used, um, <laughs> is it Ger- Gerardelli or Gardelli? Do you know what 
Brandon. Oh yeah, Ghirardelli. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Ghirardelli. Um, I saw that box in the pantry earlier. So anytime those they, are gonna be rich. Yeah, I think like Ooh, it wow. might have caramel in it too. So <gasps> wow. I'm gonna skip the wine for the brownie tonight. <laughs> that, I think that's a good trade-off. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been just really fun, and I I know that you guys have had a ton of media requests and things like that coming off the trial. So I just really appreciate you taking the time to um, come on my show. Thank you for having us. We appreciate being offered it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Thanks so much for for getting the interview. So it was really really fun. <laughs> Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, enjoy the rest of the newfound freedoms and uh, we'll circle <laughs> back around once we figure out what races are happening in the fall or not. Woo-woo. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lindsay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in today. Thank you, Molly and John, for sharing your story. Congratulations. So excited to see what's ahead for both of you. You all can find Molly on social media. She is bygolly.molly. And you can also find John on social media. He is gogreenxc. And those are their Instagram accounts, by the way. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhines626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine, where we have a group as well that you definitely should join. All the links to that will be in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. You can also find bonus episodes from me over on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. And please check out the Rise Run Retreat virtual retreat. Sarah Canny is doing an amazing job and I want you to experience all that she has put into this. It is going to be an incredible event. Go to riserunretreat.com to check out more information. All right, friends. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you to all the healthcare workers and essential workers for all that you're doing right now. We appreciate each and every one of you. Have a really great rest of your Tuesday and I'll be coming at you on Friday with an episode that is a little more lighthearted and fun and chill and I just hope that it brings a smile to your face. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great day.